on and take their seats. Thank you so much. And as they're doing that, we're going to roll a short video clip of what it means to be a mom. Thank you, guys. You know, I'm reminded, in fact, Pastor Carlos reminds me every so often. Um, for those of you who don't know, my mom went to be with the Lord about four weeks ago. And, uh, but Carlos, Pastor Carlos reminds me every once in a while of something that happened one Sunday morning. I was being my typical uh, preacher self and uh, looking for opportunities to just be a little bit funny. And my mother had fallen asleep in the second or third row. And so I, I made a quip, and I said, uh, 
I, I mustn't be doing very well today. Even my mother, I put my mother to sleep. To which my mother immediately responded and said, I got my eyes closed because I'm praying for you. And may I add, she was uh, every bit of 88 at that time, so there was nothing slowing her down. Amen. Mother's Day conjures up, for many different reasons, wonderful thoughts and sometimes some sad thoughts. In the case of those who have recently lost mothers, Pastor Jan, this is her first Mother's Day without her mother. It is my first Mother's Day without my mother, and there would be others as well. Uh, two weeks after my mom passed away, I came back to Tampa only to be at the bedside of my mother's baby brother, uh, and he passed away. And then yesterday, uh, one of my aunts also went to be with Jesus and uh, she has five daughters. Her husband's already with the Lord. She has five daughters. And so there are a lot of reasons why sometimes Mother's Day can be a joyful event, and sometimes it can be a little bit sad too. But we honor mothers. Not every mother is healed or whole in themselves. And so sometimes in life, we have mothers that, had broken mothers, and they mirror the brokenness of what was in their mom. But the Bible tells us to honor. I think honor is something that we don't talk enough about in church, and yet it's talked a lot about in the Word of God. God talks about honoring Him and honoring His Word. The importance of having honor in a society is that honor is what gives weight to wisdom. When people above us and around us and people who have come before us speak, we put little weight on their wisdom if we don't have honor. And honor is a very important building block that God designed and God speaks a lot about honor. Honor is the thing that helps to create divine order. We respect those who are older than us. We respect those who are above us because of a principle called honor. And honor <clears throat> is very important in helping to maintain divine order. We live in a world that at the moment the principality that governs its immediate affairs is a principality of darkness. Jesus spoke about the God of this world. He spoke about the prince of the air. And because there is demonic influence on our earth, and you don't have to be religious to believe that, all you need to do is read the headlines. And you would know, that there is a force of evil that works around the world. And the things that are happening are becoming more and more horrific. But honor is the, one of the principles that helps us, as, helps us as Christians to maintain divine order in a demonically 
disordered world. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that didn't make sense. <laughs> I'll repeat it again. Honor is a biblical way to maintain divine order in a demonically disordered way. We give honor to those who are above us. We give honor to those who are older than us, who have gone before us. It causes us to put weight on their words and therefore weight on our actions and we weigh our actions before we put them into motion. Honor is an important thing. God says that we should honor him and love him first and foremost. And that's the beginning of divine order. And I'm going to tell you, you will never experience divine order completely in your life until God is number one. God is the one who has devised and designed this universe. And it works on certain universal principles that he created. And divine order governs and is meant to govern the universe as well as our lives. That's why the Bible talks a lot about how we should uh, behave or uh, adjust ourselves in life and in relationships, husband and wife, children and parents, how we should conduct ourselves in society and uh, the relationship we should have with the governing authorities above us and the relationship we should have always with the Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father. Can I get an agreement? You see, in the Old Testament, twice it comes up, both in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and again in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse uh, 16, God says, honor your father and your mother so that you might live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Why does he say that? Why does he attach it to living long? Because when we break the principles of God, we allow principalities to replace God. I know that was good. I know that was good. And so you're going to give me a little bit of honor and you're going to give me a better amen than that. Let's practice the principle. Okay? That was good. <clears throat> I don't know if I could even repeat it now. <laughs> It just came out, and as it came out, I'm thinking, that sounds good. Okay, when we break the principles of God, we have dishonored God. When we break the principles of his word, we have already shown less honor to God than what we should. So when we break the principles of God, we allow the principles or the principalities of this world to have access to our life. That's why God says, honor your father and your mother so that you might live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. When we travel within the principles of God's word, demons have no right to interfere. But when we break the 
guardrails of God's word when we transgress against the principles that are universally true. It allows disorder to come into our life, and that is an open invitation to demonic activity. Hang on a second. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Amen. I mean, that is a sermon right there by itself. And I'm not trying to deliberately rattle anybody's cage, but I'm going to tell you that if there's anything in your head that doesn't line up with the Word of God, I make no apology. I want to rattle it. Because anything that isn't built on the Word of God is already built on a lie. The only truth, it comes from the one who is the absolute truth. We live in a world where they say there are no more absolutes. There are no absolutes. Everything is situational. Everything has to be governed by this situation and that situation. There are no absolutes. I remember when I was in high school, my English professor used to tell me, Rob, you know, I'd go to school wearing my Jesus Loves You t-shirts. And I was preaching to everybody. And, and he would say to me, Rob, there are no absolutes. And I would argue back with him and say, sir, but yes, there are. When it comes to God, there are absolutes. He says, no, there are no absolutes in life. And one day I said to him, are you absolutely sure of that? Truth is absolute, and God is truth. Amen. Amen. And so God gives us principles, and one of the principles is the principle of honor. You see, even before loving one another, you can't love someone if you don't honor them. Honor is to understand that each person deserves respect. Each person respects. Each person deserves quality. And so we love because we understand the principle of honor. Hello? If God created a white man in his image, or a black man in his image, or a brown woman in his image, or an Asian person in his image, we can love them because first and foremost of the principle of honor. We honor God, therefore we honor God's word and we honor God's works. And because we honor God, we can love people that are even different than us. Honor is a pivotal principle that is often missing in life and not spoken about enough. But the Word of God speaks about honor a lot. Jesus referenced this commandment to honor your father and your mother. In the four Gospels, five times Jesus references the principle of honoring your father and your mother. We're going to throw them up on the screen. There they are, Matthew 15, 4, Matthew 19, 19, 
Mark 7, 10, Mark 10, 19, and Luke 18, 20. And as I was putting this message together, I thought, you know, in all of these exhortations to honor your mother and father, I've done enough counseling in life to know that not everyone's been blessed with a mom or a dad who were whole on the inside. And brokenness gets reflected in more brokenness. And yet, the word of God isn't conditional. It doesn't say honor your mother if she's been a good mother. It doesn't say honor your father if they've been a good father. It says to give honor anyway. And I find it interesting that Jesus references this by the Holy Spirit. It is written into the Word of God as an account from Jesus' mouth five times. And five is the number of grace. And so we give honor sometimes purely because of grace, not always because of merit. Can I get an amen? amen? You see, today what's happening is the church is building theology on situations. I call it situational theology. And situational theology will always lead to progressive theology. And progressive theology will always lead to bankruptcy. Truth doesn't change. Truth is eternal. Principles are eternal. Truth doesn't change. And so theology is not just situational. People look at a situation in the Bible and they say, well, in that situation back then, God acted accordingly. And today, these situations are a little differently. So God would act differently. And we are progressive in our theology because we are situational in our theology. I want you to understand that truth applies to every situation, and truth is always a principle. The theology of God is made up of principles that are universally true. They are universally true in time and in place. The principles of God, they fit, they apply, and they work in every age and in every situation. Can I get an amen? amen? So let me tie this thought up. He says to honor, and sometimes people haven't left us a lot to give honor to. But we don't honor just because of merit we also give honor because of grace. When we honor the word of God, when we honor God, we honor his word, and therefore his word becomes a guiding principle in our lives. I live by the principles of God's word because I am so convinced that everything that comes from God's mouth is absolute truth. You see, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus once was having a discourse, and this is a typical principle. 
He said in Luke chapter 6, verse 32 to verse 36, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Let's go to the next verse. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back then your reward will be great and you will be called children of the Most High because he is kind even to the ungrateful and to the wicked. You see, these are principles. And so when the word of God says to give honor to those in authority, whether they get it right or all the time, I am not putting a stamp on them and saying, I agree with everything they do. I give honor to the fact that God has allowed that title to be. And I give honor to a mother, I give honor to a father, and I counsel people. Whether you have great memories of your childhood and great memories of your parents or not, we give honor because of grace when we can't give honor because of merit. Can I get an agreement here? Come on, give the Lord a hand. Absolutely. It also, I find it very interesting that in the New Testament, we have quite a few epistles written by Hebrew writers, people like Peter. And Peter was called predominantly to the Jewish church, those who were recognizing Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as prophesied in the Old Testament. But Peter also occasionally ministered to Gentiles. To him, this was a mystery that God had opened his heart to the whole world. Paul, on the other hand, who was a Jew of Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. God took a man steeped in the laws of Moses to build transition and understanding of how the new is built on the old and how the old isn't irrelevant, it's foundational. And so I find it interesting that of all the epistle writers, Peter, who was given the charge to break down the word of God as known to the Hebrew people and make it understandable to the Gentiles and make it relevant. In those days, Gentiles uh, was a term used towards anyone who was not Hebrew by birth, by DNA. And so God had given Paul the revelation and Paul, a master of the word of God, was able to make sense of the Old Testament and break it down and lay it out as a foundation to the early church. And Paul himself 
repeats this very principle in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Honor. We give honor. How do we become honorable parents? To those of you that are moms, how do we become honorable? I understand that the word of God exhorts us to honor, whether we feel like we've had the best parents or maybe not the best parents. Yet, the principles of God teach us to give honor. I love the fact that God says there is a place and there is space to honor everyone, even the wicked. God is merciful even to the wicked. And he calls us to show honor to fellow human beings irrespective of how broken they might be, how hurtful they might be, because God understands how hurt they are. Can I get an agreement here? And so today we honor moms and whatever imagery that conjures up in your heart or in your mind without being insensitive. I understand that for some, it can be painful. And I exhort you, I urge you, don't let the word of God just be situational. Well, that doesn't fit my situation. No, let the word of God be principle. It is universally true. And so we find place in our hearts to be able to honor everybody. I'm waiting for a few more amens. The more you say amen, the faster I'll preach. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> and so we find reason within the word of God because of the principle of honor. To honor everybody, even the people I disagree with. Even the people who disagree with me. How dare anyone disagree with me? <laughs> I find a biblical principle to honor every man and every woman. And if I respect and honor God, I honor his word. And as I learn to honor everyone, even those who abuse me, I find grounds and room to now love them as well. How do we be honorable parents or honorable mothers? I, uh, as I was preparing this message, I, uh, this particular scripture came to me so vividly. And Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy's mother and grandmother were Hebrews, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They were very devout Jews, and they came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Messiah and accepted him. But Timothy's father was a Greek, and church history teaches us he was not a believer in Jesus Christ. He leaned towards pagan tendencies. And Paul took Timothy under his wing. Here was this young guy. 
He was recommended to Paul. They were bragging about this young man in such and such a church. And Paul becomes acquainted with Timothy, and he becomes acquainted with his mother and his grandmother. His grandmother's name was Lois. His mother's name was Eunice. And Paul takes Timothy under his wing. And here we are many years later, and Timothy has developed into a an outstanding young preacher. In fact, he's now pastoring some of the churches that Paul had pioneered. And in Timothy chapter 1, verse 2 to 5, Paul writes to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did and with a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Paul was being a dad and had been a dad to this young man. And he says in verse 4, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And then in verse 5 he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded it now lives in you also. Praise God. Here the apostle Paul's talking to a young man who he considers a protege, but more than just a protege, anybody can be a protege. He considers him to be a son. I think it's very important that when we translate the Bible to our daily lives, that we don't just translate words but that we translate the heart of what the Word of God is saying. Even here, I see relationship. Mm -hmm. Paul didn't have Timothy as a protege. He had him as a son. And relationship is very fundamental to the heart of God. The whole gospel is based on the fact that God so loved a world that was spinning out of control and crazy that he became flesh and dwelt among us and died for us. My goodness, that is the epitome of relationship. Amen. This isn't a God of rules and regulation. This is a God who wants to touch. He wants to feel. He wants to hear. He wants to hug. He wants to live in fellowship and in relationship. And so it's very important that as we translate the word of the Lord, that we also translate the heart of the Lord. Thank you. I, actually, I went quiet because I was thinking of what to say next, but if you all thought I was waiting for some amens, thank you. <laughs> it helped fill in the gap. <laughs> Relational. And so we honor mothers. And when Father's Day comes around, we honor fathers. And we should learn to honor one another. We should honor because it is a God principle. It is a God principle that helps to maintain divine order. 
Because in the order of God's divine universe, there is always honor. But in the dishonor of, and the disorder of Satan's universe, there is never honor, there is always dishonor. And so honor is a divine principle, and what I love about it is that it helps to maintain divine order in my life. And if I'm living within the guardrails of God's divine order, it makes it more and more difficult for demons to have access to my life. Absolutely. And so here's Paul saying to Timothy, man, I miss you. I can't wait to see you. He said, I think of your tears and uh, your, sincer your sincerity and it wells up in my own heart. I'm looking forward to seeing you again. I see in you the faith of your grandmother, Lois, and the faith that she imparted to her daughter, Lois, uh, Eunice, your mother. And I see, you see, what he's saying without saying is this. That your grandmother Lois honored God, therefore she honored his word and lived accordingly. And your mother honored her mother because she obeyed the word and the example that was entrusted to her. And Timothy, I see the principle of honor at work in your life because you have not taken your mother's words lightly, but you've allowed them to weigh heavenly on your heart and they have shaped who you are and they have made you who you are. And I commend you and I congratulate you. You see, honor is a principle that keeps us teachable. When we have honor for no man, we have disregard. And when we have honor for no man, every one of us becomes a law unto ourselves. And we do what is right in our own eyes. But the principle of honor and honoring God first maintains a divine order that keeps our life in checks and balances and causes us to be hesitant to cross certain thresholds. Yeah. And so here's Timothy. Paul's missing this kid. Paul didn't have any biological children. But he had sons and he had daughters in Christ. And I say to every woman here in this house, you can be a mother even without being a biological mother. And we're called to be mothers and we've called to be fathers who are worthy of honor. I, I don't want honor just because of grace. I want honor because I did the things that merit it. And so while honor should be given irrespective of merit, we should give it for grace. I want to be the kind of person who lives in such a way that he earns honor.
I want to live in an honorable way. And so we see Lois was God-fearing. We see Eunice followed the example of her mother, and she was God-fearing. And we see Timothy inspired and impressed by his grandma and by his mother. The greatest sermons I've ever heard my father preach weren't from the pulpit. They were from a lifestyle I watched that was affected by the principles of God's word. And when people abused him and hurt him and spoke ill of him, I watched him react not to the situation, but respond to the word of God and the Christ in whom he believed. My mother also has had a huge impact on my life because of their love and their commitment to God. They've shaped me and made me. And it wasn't my dad's sermons from the pulpit that have made me who I am. It's the sermon he lived and the sermon that my mother lived. I was trying to pen some words last night about mothers and all I could think of was this. The world is always interested in who's first. Whether it's academic achievement, we have the highest uh, uh, accomplishments, and we always make a fuss about who's first. Whether it's in sports, whether it's in jockeying for a position at work, whether it's being accepted the most in our family culture or in the society of our workplace, we push and aim to be first, and success is measured by whether or not you're first. And in a crazy, zany world like that, the best moms aren't the moms who are first. They're the moms who always put themselves last. You see, when it came to sitting down at the table and eating, Mom was the first to think about the meal. She thought about it long before our stomachs ever talked to us. She thought about it from early in the morning and started to put ingredients together and plan and set aside time to slowly put that meal together to feed her husband and her three sons. And mom was always the last one at the table. Mom was the first one up in the morning and the last one to bed at night. And whether she was tucking us in to bed and reading us Bible stories and then giving us a kiss and hugging us, and then she would go mop the floor because no one was running around to mess it up. Or she was writing letters to her mother from Australia she would write to her mom every night 
every night. She was the designated driver for my dad because my dad is a pastor for whatever reason. Me and my two older brothers could never work this out. My father never got his license. And so mom was the, the uh, minister of transportation. <laughs> she drove him everywhere. So if there was a hospital visit, if there was a, a family crisis, mom was side by side with dad. But at night, when... Every light but one was off. Even my father was in bed. My mother honored her mother and her father. And she would write every detail of what happened that day. It was her way of breaking the distance between her and her parents. She kept bringing them into her world even though that meant she had to do that at midnight and 1 a.m. in the morning. And I'll be quite honest with you. While I am in awe of my mother's commitment and her dedication, I'll be the first one to tell you I couldn't do that. But she impacted me because she honored her parents who were God-fearing people, and they raised her in the ways of the Lord. And when it came time, for them to leave America, but more than leave America, leave their immense family network behind and go to Australia because God said, come. Yeah, there were a lot of tears. And yeah, there were a lot of questions. But they left their family because they honored God first and they honored the word of God. That didn't cause me to grow up deprived. It caused me to grow up enriched. I'll tell you right now, you know, <laughs> most of my life going to school, I had huge holes in my shoes. And you think, well, you know, it's not that uncommon. People have holes in their shoes. Uh, I would put, stack up the newspaper. I wouldn't even tell my mom and dad because I didn't want them to feel bad. And um, the American dollar, when they would get paid from the missions office, my parents never told the missions office that every American dollar was devalued by 30 cents on the dollar. And they never had enough. And so my brothers and I would fold up newspapers and stick them in our shoes so that we wouldn't get holes in our socks. But we didn't know how to fix the holes that after a while were on the sides of our shoes as well. And irrespective of all that, they taught me an immense respect and love for God. Am I deprived for it? No. I believe that I'm in better position than cousins who even grown up in wealthy families. And I don't despise them and I don't resent them and I don't resent the lot that fell to me. I think of all, I was the luckiest. 
because I watched my parents toil in a field, a foreign field, for an invisible God. And it instilled in me a faith and a tenacity and a strength and a conviction that God will always look after me. And if I do the same, God will look after my children as well. Before we left for Australia the very first time, I remember one, one day I'd hear my parents go from church to church to talk about the fact that they felt called to go to Australia and there were Italian immigrants there and they were going to gather them and teach them the word of God. And I remember one time asking my mom, so when we get there, where are we going to live and where are we going to sleep? And you know what her comforting answer was? I don't know. That's how much they knew. She said, I don't know. And I would hear my mother share when it was her turn from the platform, and she'd tell the congregation that when my dad had first told her about the call of God and he felt like he was supposed to go to Australia, my mom would say that she fought him and resisted this idea because her greatest concern were her three boys. And she would say to God, how do I know they're going to have an education? How do I know that I'm going to be able to, as a mom, give them all the things that I would want to give them? <laughs> to a mom who left me only four weeks ago, you couldn't have given me more because you gave me Jesus. You gave me a life sold out for God. I am the richest of them all because I saw it in action. How do we become honorable parents? Divine order. Honor God and honor the word of God and make him first in your life. And divine order will flow from there. Come on, let's stand. Ah, praise God. Some of you know my mom. Some of you haven't had the joy of meeting her, but if you continue in your faith, you will. I joked with Lydia this morning. I'm going to brag on Lydia for a moment. As she's getting ready to come to church and come to worship practice and then lead everyone else, Lydia, whose mom has already gone to be with the Lord, she texts me and she says, Pastor, I realize this is your first Mother's Day without your mom. I want you to know I'm thinking of you. And it really touched my heart. I told her, I said, you are such a beautiful, caring God-fearing and uh, people-loving person. Thank you so much for that. And for a moment, I was caught up with my situation. And I was praising her because she was thoughtful of my situation. 
It took about 15 minutes, and I thought, wait a minute. The loss of a loved one doesn't diminish. And so it would be weighing on Lydia's heart too today, her own mom. And I wrote back and I said something to the effect of Lydia, from everything I've ever heard you say about your mom and everything I've ever heard your dad say about his wife, I am sure that your mom took the initiative to cook a dinner for every mom in heaven. And she's probably serving all of them and not even thinking about herself. I said the best mom is the mom who knows how to be last. The best person is the person who knows how to step back from first position. And love everybody else a whole lot more. To every mom, whatever shape and form that comes in, biological, step, foster, by, to every would-be mom, love God with all your heart and honor Him in His Word. And keep being second or last. And the beauty that people will see in you <laughs> will be indescribable. The more we learn to live the God kind of life, amazingly, it makes us look better. I always look best right after I spent eight hours of preparing a message and praying and talking to God. I come out here, you guys see the best version of me all week because I've been in his presence and have waited on him. Amen. Amen. Can I exhort you to live wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ? And that will bring the best us to the surface. Amen. While every eye is closed, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, talk about being first and being last. God so loved the world that he became flesh and he became the servant to every one of us, even those who have vowed they would never believe in him. God so loved the world that he paid the price for our mistakes so that if we would believe on him, the price he paid would be credited to us. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, if you don't know this God intimately who would literally sacrifice himself, man, you talk about ideal parents. The whole concept of an ideal parent comes from the heart of God. He laid down his life so that we could live. 
If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Lord and your Savior and to live in you, then I encourage you to do it today. Not because I'm trying to build this church, because I'm trying to help humanity one by one find the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. So with every eye closed this Mother's Day, if you have never opened your heart and let Jesus come in and take control, raise your hand right now and say, I want to do that. Come on. Right across this auditorium while eyes are closed. If you've walked away, you've backslidden, and you want to make that relationship fresh again with a God who always has his arms opened wide. To those of you who are watching via live stream, I encourage you and welcome you to take that stand right now. Who else wants to raise their hand today and ask Jesus into their heart? Okay. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you feel inspired by the Word of God today? How many of you want to facilitate a greater dynamic of divine order in your personal life? Can I see your hand? Well, Father, we come as your kids, and we don't want situational theology where we make up theology to fit our situation. We want to learn your principles because your principles are life. And Father, I pray today that as we have feasted around your table and honored you by listening to your word, I pray that every man, every woman, every person in this house who has heard your word and hungers for more of your divine order that God, by your Spirit, you will keep speaking to each and every one of us and lead us into decisions that will make you first in our lives. Yeah. Holy Spirit, you saw them raise their hands. They're giving you permission to invade their hearts and to invade their lifestyles. I thank you, God, for a word that transcends ages. It transcends time periods. I thank you for a word that is governed by truth and it is fundamental and foundational. Holy Spirit, continue to make the word of God alive in each and every one of us. And everyone who wants that for their lives said, Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God a praise offering. Put your hands together and worship Him. As you leave today, leave with the understanding that honor is a divine principle. And divine principles, when lived by, will always bring divine order 
into our lives. Honor each other. Love each other. For those of you who'd like uh, some of uh, Pastor Amy and some of the workers put together a Mother's Day photo booth in the foyer. And so they've created a backdrop where you could get someone to uh, you take your phone and take a family picture of you. They've gone to a lot of work to do that. Uh, please take advantage of the opportunity to have a photo op. God bless you guys. Have an incredible day. Eat extra dessert for me. Be blessed and love everybody. In Jesus' name, God bless you.